This is Rhea. Welcome to Little Stories for Tiny People. It is so cold where I am. There's frost on the windows and a howling wind. But I'm huddled inside my little studio. And I've got a fire in the fireplace, of course. So it's nice and cozy. And this is exciting. The studio spiders and beetles are asleep. I got an email from them just a few minutes ago that announced they're participating in a sleep study for important research purposes. And they expect that if I do tell a story today, it will be a quiet one. I dutifully threw my original story out the window. It would have been much too loud. There were sword fights and also gibbons. This new story, it's perfect for sleep. So cozy up with your blanket, settle in, and get ready to hibernate. Our story is called The Tale of a Tree. Remember, there are no pictures. You'll have to imagine the pictures in your mind. You can imagine them however you want. Okay, here we go. Awareness came slowly, gradually. Tree was a beautiful Douglas fir. By the time he worked out that he was a tree at all, he was six. He had sturdy needles that remained green all year. He grew distinctive pine cones with tails that fluttered in the breeze. Small birds delighted in landing on his boughs. The boughs dipped under their weight, cushioning them as they considered their next moves. Tree lived in a yard. This was one of the things he'd worked out in time with the help of the birds. They liked to chatter and gossip, and they'd drop information on him like the clouds dropped rain. Ah, you're lucky to be in a yard. You'll probably be shaped. I will? Yes, by the people. Ah, the people. There was a house behind a tree. He couldn't see it, but the birds had assured him it was there. Tree had seen the children. They liked to hide beneath him during games of hide-and-seek. The older children knew it wasn't a good hiding spot. Tree was not yet big enough to provide adequate cover. But the small ones, they'd huddle beneath Tree, cover their faces with their hands, and be shocked when they were discovered. Found you! (laughs) One of the children practiced piano in the mornings. The child was about the same age as Tree. They would grow up together. There were things Tree understood, that he was rooted to the ground. His movements were limited to shifting in the wind and growing. 
He understood the weather, as it seemed intent on making itself known. In spring, rain came down in thick sheets and sometimes in drizzles. In late summer, the air was thick with water and tree felt swollen and damp. In early fall, there were days when fog hovered so densely, Tree wondered whether it would lift. Perhaps he would live in this new cottony fuzz of a world forever. But the fog vanished in an afternoon and gave way to late fall, when the winds came. Tree often found himself unwittingly masquerading as a leafy tree as so many wet leaves flew through the air and clung to his boughs. There were things Tree did not understand, things that would remain mysteries forever, and things he would someday grasp. How had he ended up in the yard? Had someone planted him? Perhaps if there had been more Douglas fir trees in the neighborhood, he would not have had these questions. But there was only one other fir tree nearby, down at the other end of the street. It was exceptionally tall and foreboding and old. Tree had questions about his life, but they were normal questions. They didn't plague him in the dark hours of the night. It can be a comfort to have some questions It might be unsettling to know everything that could be known. Tree was content with his life and his questions. But then, in early winter, the first winter of Tree's awareness, something new began to happen that raised more questions. That is where we will pick up the thread of our story. It was a crisp Saturday morning, the first time it happened. Tree was delighting in the sparkle of the frozen dew on his needles. With the morning sun hitting them just so, he glimmered, adorned with icy crystals. A pickup truck rumbled down the block and turned into the driveway next door. This was a common occurrence, and would have barely rated a notice, except there was a fir tree jutting out from the truck bed. Tree had never seen such a thing before, or at least not since he'd gained his awareness. Trees lived in the ground. People did not put them in cars. A shiver of doubt ran through Tree's trunk. What was the meaning of this? The sun skittered behind a cloud. The lights of Tree's frozen dewdrops went out. People got out of the truck and carried the fir tree into the house. Within moments, Tree saw his new associate appear 
behind the glass of the large window facing the street. Strange. Tree had been very confident that trees were rooted in the ground. Perhaps it was a fluke? Tree found himself gazing down the street at the other Douglas fir, but it stood, as it usually did, lofty and imperious. It happened again three days later. This time it was late afternoon. The sun was already threatening its descent in the sky. Night seemed greedy these days, stretching itself into what used to be sunlight's territory, never satisfied with its lot. This time, the fir tree was in some kind of webbed sleeve. Dressed in such a ridiculous costume, Tree nearly didn't recognize it as a fir tree at all. It was strapped, rather sloppily, to the roof of a small car that chugged down the block, sounding like it was about to cough up its engine. The car parked in the driveway across the street. People bounded out of it and went to work, freeing the fir tree from its straps. They carried it into the house, and again, within moments, the tree was upright, its sleeve discarded, its highest boughs just outside the window frame. Tree was astonished. He was less astonished when it happened again the following day. Now it was becoming a regular thing. The shock had worn off. Tree tried to make sense of it, to fit this new information into his knowledge of trees. Most trees lived rooted to the ground outdoors, but some trees lived in houses. Why? More fir trees came each day, strapped to cars, jostling in trucks. One came carried by two people on foot from who knows where. One by one, into the houses they went. One by one, they were propped behind the windows to be given a view of the street or to be admired by those on the street. Tree was not sure which. After a week of these baffling developments, Tree was relieved when an especially talkative bird landed on his bough. It was a frigid day, and the bird hopped lightly to keep herself warm. Tell me about the fir trees, Tree said. Which fir trees? the bird muttered. She didn't pay a whole lot of attention to trees other than landing on them. Tree sighed. The one staring at us from behind the glass. The bird glanced around, suddenly seeing the many fir trees gazing out from their window perches. Ah, those. Yes, those. They'll be lit up soon enough. What do you mean? You'll see. Should be any day now. The bird shivered and flew away. Apparently, she wasn't in a talkative mood. Tree puzzled over what she'd said. Lit up. Hmm.
He didn't have to puzzle over it for long. As soon as the sun went down the next night, the tree across the street, standing tall and broad behind the glass of the window, lit up. Tree thought briefly of his frozen dew shining brilliantly in the morning sun, but remembered how it had extinguished as soon as the clouds had crowded over the sky. The lights coming from the tree in the window were extraordinarily bright. They seemed to have no relation to the sun or the moon. They remained on for hours. The next night, several more trees lit up. Some had lights that actually twinkled. Others had lights of many colors. By the end of the week, every fir tree on the street was illuminated in the evening hours. Many of the houses themselves were illuminated. People came out and draped lights on their bushes and along the house's trim. Some climbed on their roofs, and Tree wondered whether that was wise, given their lack of tails or wings. Shouldn't they have some sort of harnesses? Tree wondered. But they made quick work of it. And only one of them got too close to the edge of the roof. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, the close. entire neighborhood seemed to twinkle. Tree remained shrouded in darkness, with only the moonlight to provide the mildest sheen to his needles at night. Jealousy crept up on Tree, like night creeping up on day. He didn't even notice it until it was upon him. It came all at once, on the day the weather turned. It had been a rather mild winter, cold and damp, but with pockets of sun in the afternoons. But on a Tuesday in December, the sky remained a deep gray throughout the daytime hours, and the moon chased the feeble sun from the sky without mercy. Sleet burst from the clouds, coming down in thick sheets, pelting tree for hours on end. By the time the sleet subsided, every single one of tree's needles was its own tiny icicle. Tree felt himself become brittle. He shivered uncontrollably. That was when he felt the jealousy fill his roots and ascend through his boughs. As he stood there, blanketed in cold, unable to escape the elements, his fellow fir trees seemed to peer at him. A subtle shift had taken place over the last few weeks. All of these trees had been newcomers, each one a curiosity to tree, who had been there long before any of them. If anyone belonged there, it was tree. But somehow the tables had turned. These newcomers all looked alike, with their decorations and their string lights. There were dozens of them, up and down the block, 
and together they formed a kind of club, of which Tree was not a member. He had become the odd one out. He had become the curiosity. Tree shuddered in the relentless wind and allowed envy to envelop him. Oh, how he wished he could be warm inside a house, with a fire going nearby. Not too near, but near enough. He imagined being tended to. He imagined being decorated. Instead, his boughs drooped under the weight of their icy sleeves. Why haven't I been taken inside? Tree wondered. What's so different about me? These questions tormented Tree for weeks, but their answers remained out of reach. A blizzard came, dumping a foot of snow on Tree. The other fir trees remained inside, warm and dry. Tree remained rooted in the ground, unable to see the difference between himself and the others. Then the most distressing thing happened. The car that parked near Tree each day came around the corner in the late afternoon carrying a fir tree on its roof. It parked just a few yards from Tree. Tree had thought perhaps he would be spared this indignity. He was not. The people grappled with the fir tree and trudged out of sight into the house. Tree heard the door shut behind them. He could not see the house. He could not see the picture window that gazed out at the street, gazed out at him. But Tree knew that this new fir, this duplicitous cousin of his, had an unobstructed view of the yard. Why me? Tree wondered from beneath a blanket of snow. A few days later, the sun peeked out from the clouds, long enough to melt the snow and heat the air. It was unseasonably warm for a few hours, and Tree welcomed the break from winter's frosty grip. There was a sense of anticipation in the neighborhood. Something was coming. There were more cars on the street than on a typical day. People seemed to be gathering. Tree could tell that the other fir trees, the ones bedecked with string lights and little objects suspended from their boughs, he could tell they were part of the excitement. He felt so plain, so uninteresting. He imagined a tornado could wander through town, pluck him up, and no one would even notice he was gone. A bird landed on tree and began preening itself. She puffed out her feathers, hopped lightly a few times, and came to a rest. I've been asked to deliver a message to you she said, leaning towards Tree's trunk. A message? It's from Grandfather Fur. 
tree had never heard this name. There were still so many things he did not know. But even so, he instantly knew to whom it referred. Tree gazed down the block at the soaring Douglas fir, easily three times Tree's height. What does it say? Let me get it. The bird ducked her head beneath a wing and retrieved a small curl of paper. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Tree felt as though he were on the cusp of a great understanding. The bird read from the paper, Tell the sapling not to worry. I've seen him shivering in the wind. He needn't be jealous of our brethren behind the glass. Tell the sapling to see the gift of roots. The gift of roots, Tree wondered. What else does it say? The bird shrugged. That's all. Shall I send a message back? Questions flooded Tree, but he didn't know which were important and which to toss aside. No. No, thank you. The bird said its goodbyes and flew off, Bye. eager to enjoy the fleeting warmth. Tree looked down the street at Grandfather Fur, puzzling over his message. Tell the sapling to see the gift of roots. That night, darkness descended early, but the lighted trees gave the appearance of a blanket of fallen stars. Music drifted through chimneys, as did the aroma of home-cooked meals. Trees stared at each ornate fir encased in glass, overlooking the street like royalty looking down from a throne. Tree tried to glimpse Grandfather Fir, but all of the twinkling radiance made the unlit giant a shadow in contrast. Then the door of the house eased open behind Tree. He heard the people bustling down the path. Within moments, Tree felt the familiar, light tug of a spider web traversing his branches. Wait, no, it couldn't be the work of a spider. Spiders move fast, Tree thought, thinking of how they always seem to appear out of nowhere and rapidly create a dainty masterpiece in the crook of his bow. But they do not move this fast. It was not a spider web. It was shimmery tinsel. Tree felt the warmth of bashfulness travel into his needles. Someone held a coil of string lights and wound them around and round Tree's branches, tickling him. It could not have been more shocking if a tornado had plucked him up. Tiny fingers reached upwards, leaving sparkling ornaments swaying from Tree's twigs. After a few minutes, Tree was covered bow to bow in trinkets suspended from loops of string. 
with popcorn laced on floss, with a star upon his highest bough. When it seemed as though nothing more could be added, the string lights and the star lit up all at once. Tree had the sense of being stared at. He glanced around and saw the glowing fir trees up and down the street. It was as if they were noticing him fully for the first time. He had joined the club. It was a dazzling feeling. The next few days were filled with festivities, music, and a sense of celebration. Tree felt like he was part of it all. It was a magical time. It was also, it turned out, short-lived and therefore precious, as so many wonderful things are. Within a week of Tree joining the celebration, the number of cars on the street dwindled, and the people resumed their normal activities. The sweetness of the magical moment remained in the air and in the memories of those involved. But life went on. And a week and a half after the festivities, a new thing happened for the first time. The door of the house opposite tree swung open, and the tip of a fir tree came trundling out, carried by a person. The person lumbered forward, nearly stumbling, until he reached the strip of lawn that ran beside the road. The person dropped the tree to the ground. It was completely bare. The person turned and went back inside and shut the door. Tree was astonished. He tried to make sense of it. Most trees live outside, rooted in the ground. Some trees lived inside, tended to by people. And some of those trees were set at the curb. Tree was less astonished when it happened the following day and the day after that. One by one, each regal tree was taken down from its throne and deposited at the curb. A chugging truck came and took the fir trees away. On a chilly Tuesday morning, the door behind Tree opened. Tree heard movement and rustling, and suddenly the Douglas fir trundled into view. This was Tree's chance. He had to find out what was going on. Psst, he whispered. He didn't even need to do this. The Douglas fir was already well aware of Tree, having watched him for weeks through the window. Farewell, friend, the fir said. Tree noticed now how enormous this Douglas fir was, how mature. It had lived years beyond Tree. It had likely seen much in its time. Why can't you stay? Tree whispered. 
my work is done. But I loved my job. It was a great honor. That was all they could exchange before the fir tree was settled against the curb, awaiting unknown travels. Grandfather Fir's words came back to Tree. Tell the sapling to see the gift of roots. Over the next few weeks, Tree watched his cousins leave their glass cases. Soon, they were all gone. Only Tree and Grandfather Fir remained. Only Tree and Grandfather Fir would grow over the course of the year and witness the performance all over again. The gift of roots, Grandfather Fir had said. Tree thought of the departing fir tree's words. It was a great honor. How to square these sentiments? Tree pondered this for a long while, never reaching an answer. A familiar question bubbled up from his roots. Why me? This question visited him again and again over the chilly weeks that followed. In time, daylight began to chase away night, the balance of their annual game shifting with the seasons. Tree felt his bewilderment recede, along with the darkness of winter. Tree understood little but now he knew enough to know some mysteries would remain. He accepted that this, why me, would likely be one of them. I can't believe it. But the spiders and beetles are still asleep. I haven't received even one email in the last hour. I better not risk waking them. Little Stories for Tiny People is written, performed, and produced by me, Rhea Pector. My in-house tech director, Peter Kay, runs my website and puts my stories on the internet for all of you to enjoy. You can visit my website to find my two picture books, Little Hedgehog Goes to School and Little Fox Can't Wait to Dream, as well as t-shirts and more. Thank you, as always, for listening in. <laughs>